It's your host, Will Diamonds, coming at you, covering the G1 Climax Finals. And I'm joined here today with my other co-host, the paragon of virtue, Jake Murphy. That's me. What's up? And we have our resident G1 expert in the house. We got the boy John Bivens back. Thank you guys for having me. So before we get started, I, I do have uh, a question that I want to ask you. <clears throat> so when you guys climax, would you describe it more as a loose explosion or a gene blast? Gene blast all the way. Uh, My gene blasted, blasted all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything on the New Japan calendar before the summer is foreplay. Everything after is uh, aftercare. But uh, it's late summer, so it's time to climax, baby. Man, I just want to know if management came up. For those that are confused, Gene Blast is LIJ's newest member, Yoda Suji's nickname. And I just want to know if he came up with it or if management did. And also, like, what was the thought process? Because... I don't know. To me, it just sounds like how a robot or an alien that only knows like very loose, broken English would describe nutting. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I like to believe that it came from Suji. I, I feel like deep down Suji knew. I feel like probably because he always got a fucking scary ass smile on his face. Yeah, he looks like a titan. Yeah, take your girl smile. Or, or like a hollow from Bleach. Right. But one of the weird angels from Evangelion. It was that one with the big smile. Yeah. Man. Evangelion. I think a little overrated, but it's got the greatest fucking theme song ever, so people can gas it up all they want. But overall, really, really fucking good tournament. The I liked how up in the air the playoff participants really were. Did not see Hikaleu making it out of the A block at all. Like, I figured Sonata would. I honestly didn't think he'd beat everyone in the fucking block. But I knew Sonata would make it out. But I thought it was going to be either Umino or Kiyomiya. Yeah, in retrospect, with the way that things ended up going with Hikaleo not making it further, I was disappointed that they didn't give the rub to somebody like Suji, especially with the way that he's crazy over now. I'm worried that they're mixing him too much into the pack with everybody else instead of just going all the way. I think they're... How they handled Suji was definitely odd, and I feel like having him not pick up really that many points across the tournament was weird considering how he was probably the most over person in the entire block. 
What killed me about Suji was the match with Chase Owens, where he got his ass beat for about 85% of it and then hit like two curb stomps and a spear to, to pin Owens. And it's like, that's a finish that you do to just kind of barely get one top guy over another top guy. And they did have with Chase Owens. So I, I don't think upsetting. it, I don't think it did Owens any favors and it, it didn't do anything for Suji either. No, I Chase Owens was the only low point for me for any of the A block matches. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. But I liked that he was perpetually the opener for A block days. But yeah. there was the fact that Chase Owens was picking up wins was upsetting enough. Yeah, uh, to me, it made sense when he got the win over Gabe Kidd. But honestly, that did, how, how much more did he win beyond that? I know he got like another one or two, but really that should have been like his one to me. Now, the Gabe Kidd one, I don't even agree with because I thought Gabe Kidd was one of the G1 Climax MVPs. He was fantastic. It was, I think, the second to last round when it was one of the few times he actually made his entrance, but he threw the fucking barricade into the crowd. Yeah. And like, just by lifting it up and shaking it, got it unhooked from the other barricades. That shit's great. Yeah. And the double count out with Kiyomiya, that, that fucking ruled too. That's one of the best yeah. double counts I can remember. That was normally, I think double count outs are really deflating but that got me so amped up to see them inevitably have a rematch because i felt like they set up a lot of storylines like they're going to be getting a hold of kiyomiya for like at least another year yeah i can't wait for them to have the match in noah so that way gabe kid can go over and we can do another uh rebuilding kiyomiya story story arc yep i'd say that Tongue planted firmly in cheek. I mean, how else can he truly be the ace if we don't rebuild him for the fifth time? (laughs) Even though he's simultaneously already in that because he's doing his fourth and fifth rebuild at the same time. He's rebuilding from Jake Lee and Okada at the same fucking run. Yeah, and he's not within arm's reach of either of them. No, I think, like, you could always just throw him back at Jake Lee, but no, he's not close to getting there with Okada. And I thought for sure they were going to run Okada and Kiyomiya in the quarterfinals for G1, but I guess not, because LOL, Noah sucks. (laughs) So you don't figure they're ever going to do, like, let him abscond with one of the IWGP titles? I definitely don't think they'll give him one of their belts. I think we're lucky if they give him his win back. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if we do, it's going to be one of those dumb-ass finishes that does no one any favors, where it's like Kiyomiya's getting trucked, and then here's a surprise schoolboy, or like Okada's got a submission, but then accidentally has his shoulders down. 
or Okada does like the uh, the backdrop into like the uh, the Davy Boy Smith like finish thing, and then like Kiyomiya rolls him up out of that. Yeah, it would be if he gets it. It's gonna be that. There's no way that Okada's gonna eat a shining wizard and get pins. Like New Japan has absolutely zero respect for pro wrestling Noah and their roster. That's yeah. true, because anytime an outsider ever won, it was somebody from Baba's group. Yeah. I mean, like, even Kevin Kelly talking about Kiyomiya needs to come in and be a young boy. I think that would be better for him than staying in Noah. It's like, Jesus Christ, Kevin, at least like give him a little something. That was the first time that Kevin Kelly just shitting on a wrestler actually bothered me, because it's like, all right, you shit on a dude, that's whatever. But you are burying the fuck out of this entire company. And normally I hate that term of like, oh, blah, 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 got buried. But no, he just straight up buried the fuck out of pro wrestling Noah. Oh, yeah, that was a burial. Fuck. Which I'm just like, please stop. They're they're doing so good. Kind of. They're getting there. Well, they're firmly the number two. Oh, I don't honestly, I'm I don't know, because Dragon Gate has been doing fucking numbers lately. So you're going to pull DDT at your ass. I wish D- DDT is really the number one. And that's well, across number the one fucking in our planet. Number one in our hearts. No one else has Kazuki Harada. Well, I mean, I mean, domestically, to to them, Noah's number two and has been for years. Yeah, and it's considerable, the you know, the gap between Noah and everyone below them. But now, instead of getting my my Kiyomiya Okada rematch, we had Okada facing the NJPW World Television Champion Zack Saber Jr., who managed to skirt into playoffs thanks to a really fun little bullshit finish between Shane Haste and Jeff Cobbs, where he purposefully forced a double countout and kept Jeff from getting back into the ring so that Zach would advance. Brilliant. It was fucking beautiful. It's what wrestling's got over other sports. You couldn't see, like... (laughs) <laughs> like the Mets did a run-in to save the Braves so the Braves could get into the playoffs or some shit. That'd be the best. Exactly. <laughs> Here come the Mets! <laughs> like, real sports need shit like that. Where it's like, like, give me that in the NBA where it's like, oh shit, they're on different teams, but they used to be on the same team before he got traded, and now he just broke some dude's ankle so he can't make playoffs. I wish they could do, like, a Money in the Bank gimmick with, like, football or something. Like, you're in the fucking Super Bowl. Like, another team runs down and just, like, trusts everyone. It steals the fucking trophy and runs off. Ah! That'd be so good. I've always proposed an idea for football where there's one of two options. They're both introduced at halftime help raise the stakes one of them is you just release a bunch of fucking wild animals which then <laughs> creates essentially a third team <laughs> that's only goal is to block you to, from doing anything 
but the other is you so one player on each team receives it at halftime you present this player the item you only have three chances with it but you present them a revolver with three bullets and they are allowed to shoot (laughs) any player in the leg at any given time during the second half See a guy like about the score and just drops. <laughs> just fucking ah! <laughs> Sorry, I love you, pow pow. <laughs> exactly. If you introduce those level of stakes, wrestling will never be able to compete. They would. That would ultimately force wrestling to have an off season because anytime football's running, there's no way they can fucking compete. Yeah, you're you're not outdrawing the Super Bowl with guns. Exactly. Or just a bunch of like angry bears. <laughs> we'll put like gloves on them so they're not like clawing you up, but they'll still smack the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ner- nerf the claws, but yeah. <laughs> The Chicago Bears versus the actual Bears. (laughs) Well, Snow, so what you could do is each team is, because most teams are animal names, that's what, whatever your team name is, is what you introduce at halftime. So. (laughs) Yeah, good good luck, like. The Dolphins are fucked. (laughs) What, What about the Washington football team? What is is it just like we bring in like a Canadian league? We get, we, we stop Johnny Manziel. No, they're the commanders yes. now. So like a bunch of like army personnel show up or something. And Alan Thick. Yeah. Or we actually get Commander and like uh, Vikingo. There you go. Yep. Make Washington proud. <laughs> Here's the Triple A Mega Champion. They just do a. They do a running and hit him, hit the quarterback with a chair. He's about to throw the ball. I would pay good money. I would pay good money to see what Vikingo can do off that ring post or the goal post. But anyways, back to the G1. So Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada, really good ass match. Probably my, if it's not my favorite of the quarterfinals matches, it's probably my second favorite which we'll we'll save my favorite for last because it's definitely my spiciest take but okada of course fucking trucking through saber what do you think was gonna fucking happen this man holds a mid-card belt his next title defense is against oleg the young boy that chats with kevin kelly on commentary he was also a foreigner fighting Okada that's name was not Kenny Omega, so of course Okada was going to win. Exactly. But overall, still really solid match. Like, Sabre looked like a beast the whole tournament. I know he ate two losses, but I don't even remember him ever losing. Who did he lose to, even? Was one of them... He, he beat Tanahashi, didn't he? Yeah, you got Tanahashi with yes. the armor. Uh, I think he lost. Did he lose to Naito? No, he did lose to Naito, 
because I that one now I do remember because I was like, okay, so it's someone that can beat him that you don't have to worry about going for the TV belt. But it was overall really fucking solid match. I don't think it's been the first time they've, or no, it's definitely not the first time they worked together because Sabre challenged him for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship a few years back off that New Japan Cup win. And I don't know, I thought it was better than their first go around. I really like how much more, I really like how much more concise these matches have felt with the 20 minute time limits. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely helped a big problem that I feel like New Japan's had lately where the first 10 minutes are just a setup slog that you kind of tune out of because nothing crazy is actually going to happen. And they've been really good lately. Honestly, since Sonata won the belt, I feel like they've been good about having a lot of shorter matches. But now we have Okada advancing to semis alongside Tetsuya Naito. Quarterfinal matchup number four, the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, because that's not a mouthful. Will Ospreay versus Never Openweight Champion David Finley. I thought Finley had a fucking good G1. It wasn't as good as last year's, but it was good. Yeah, I I thought I agree. I think Finley had a good tournament. I don't know. It's I've been listening to a lot of the uh, the big audio nightmare with Adam and Mike lately, and Adam has been very heavy on wanting Gabe Kidd to take over Bullet Club over David Finley. And Classic I'm Adam. Now I'm starting to see it a little bit, especially like with Gabe Kidd's performance in the G1. He just the unhinged kind of thing that he's doing. He seems a lot more aggressive and believable in that role than, than David Finley does in some ways to me. I agree with that. I've, I haven't heard of this podcast before, but I definitely agree with this dude's fucking opinion on that because Gabe kid should abs. I understand why they wouldn't want to give him the keys, but the whole tournament wide, he proved that, He's got that aura about him, and he can handle himself with the crowd, I think, a lot better than David does. So I feel like with Finley, there's still a bit of a disconnect that it doesn't feel like the crowd quite buy into it. And honestly, I don't fully buy into him being such a monster. But... I want him to do well because I'm I like David Finley. He was one of my boys, but now he's graduated up out of boy status. Congratulations, Finley. You did the impossible. <laughs> I uh I think with David Finley in some ways it kind of works having him as the leader that people don't exactly buy into. Because I think you can create some dynamics outside of that, that it's like you want to see somebody like Gabe Kidd, like stand up to him because like he's he's doing the whole thing of like, we can't lose. Like if you lose, we're going to beat your ass and that whole kind of thing, like the Iron Fist leader deal. And so I think at some point that does 
mandate somebody like Gabe Kidd or Coglin kind of rising up and being like, hey, motherfucker, you're actually not that big. See, I feel like if they're going to pick someone to rise up, it's out of the heavyweights. I feel like they would go with Coglin. Coglin is more their type of dude. But this might be a hot take. I think it will the next leader of Bullet Club, if it's anyone in the faction currently, is going to be Clark Connors. I think he's going to be their next Kenny. Right, yeah. I, I could definitely see that. He's already got the frame that you could, he could easily bump up to the heavyweight scene. Yeah. Without really having to bulk up that much like he's definitely not going to have to be like osprey and put on a shitload of muscle to look believable as a heavyweight right but i i feel like they're very keen on him especially the fact that they explicitly have gato managing him as well he's at the very least going to be their next like bullet club junior ace but i think he's got big plans in his future yeah i was gonna say yeah just just by how much gato's been at his side i think that's pretty telling about what kind of plans they have for him but then other side of the ring we have fucking osprey (laughs) as i really hate that he is having such an awesome run this year because he's such a shithead but it's like damn he do be he do be doing the wrestle good (laughs) and this one was honestly probably my least favorite of the quarterfinal matches it was nowhere near as good as their g1 match last year Because their G1 match last year, that was the one that fully made me like open my eyes to the potential that David Finley had. But all that potential I saw was for a baby face run. I didn't really see them going a heel route with him. But I don't know, he's he's still figuring out his footing. And I feel like a lot of these guys that get turned heel like that, it takes them forever to find their footing. Which segue into our final quarterfinals and possibly my favorite one, Evil versus Sonata. Evil is finally finding his fucking footing with the House of Torture shit. I think they finally figured out the balance with this year's G1. I I don't know. I'm not quite as bullish on it as you are, like... I, when the bell rings and evil is just having a match, I think evil is a really good wrestler, especially with guys like Shingo or like Kingston, when he's able to be like physical and hard hitting and he can take a good chop and he can take a good bump and he's got a solid move set. The the disconnect for me is just, you know, it's not going to end until Dick Togo's in the ring or shows in the ring with the wrench and it's it's the problem that I had with Matt Bourne or not Matt Bourne, Evan Bourne. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, I've got a head cold, so I'm fucked up. 
but when Evan Bourne was in WWE and it's like, you knew the match wasn't going to end and until he at least went for the shooting star press. Like he, he was either going to miss it and he was going to lose or he's going to hit it and he was going to win. But you know, he's going to get that spot in there before the end of it. Yeah. I can, I can understand that, which, yeah, I, I agree with, for the House of Torture stuff, because, like, interference is a given. But I feel like when they first did House of Torture, I think the only... Yudro didn't change up anything, but Yudro feels like such a background player for them. Like, he's he's just there, so they can have someone to tag with Evil when World Tag League rolls around. But... I thought show immediately started gelling into his new role. I wish they would give him more wins with it, but I feel like evil. It took him a minute because when they first set it up, he was doing a lot more like vicious shit, which was really sick because like you said, when you get him in there with someone that can hit hard and can take those hits, that's when you're going to get the best evil matches. Because he has a really dope move set that I feel like he doesn't really get to use that much. That is a lot of a lot of his moves have a really nice visual of how it looks. How he just kind of forcibly slams you into the ring. It's not like a normal body slam or just a normal suplex. And he's got like the most protected finisher in New Japan. Like, I think more people kick out of the Rainmaker than kick out of Everything is Evil. Yeah, because it's such a, like, it's one of those things where it only ever gets busted out after it's already a foregone conclusion, after, like, someone got choked and wrenched. But, I don't know, I I was getting really impressed with Evil, especially the, to me, the really big moment that i noticed like okay he's really stepping it up was the david finley match where they had just all the shenanigans of house of torture and war dogs all facing off and everyone trying to cheat all the refs taking bumps all the fucking interference and brawling i thought evil was doing fucking great because it was weird seeing david finley switch into like trying to cheat mode. But I don't know, especially watching David Finley, because that was David Finley trying to work an evil match and not the other way around. And it made me really appreciate that, like, how far evil has come with that specific kind of shtick for a match type. Yeah. I I feel like... Evil was, if you're not going to do anything in A block where like Kiyomiya gets a win or Suji gets his win back and you do a rematch down the road, I feel like Evil is a good, a good middle ground. I mean, I know a lot of people that are a lot harder on the Evil interference stuff than, than what I feel about it. But at the end of the day, when October comes around and Evil's getting that title match, the way it's set up with Naito eventually winning, spoilers, it's like I can gaslight myself into thinking, okay, there's a real possibility here after a wrench shot and the choke out that Evil is going to be the one to beat Sonata and we're doing Naito and Evil again. Like, I know it's not going to happen, but in that moment, 
evil's gonna hit a move and i'm gonna be like it's it's happening so i i think it was evil was a smart choice to beat sonata if you're not gonna go with one of the younger guys 100 percent, because i think that there it was a lose-lose situation with kiyomiya like there was no way kiyomiya was gonna win but at the same time it wouldn't have really done him that much favors because ultimately him losing a title shot is, I feel like will actually kind of make him look worse than losing a G1 match, especially after said champion just had a perfect run through the block. And his only loss the whole run was once he hit playoffs to evil. But I thought evil was shining like a fucking diamonds in this match he was looking so awesome for a for a good five minutes there i was i saw gato's vision when he put the double gold on evil i was like i see what you were going for and i'm really upset for you that it didn't pan out but i see what you see now yeah i i agree yeah there's there's been a lot of bright spots for evil through the g1 uh, the match with Kingston aside, though, that that to me still has to go down as like the worst the worst match of this year's tournament. But yeah, yes there, and no, upside. It was not a good match by any means, but it had a lot of great moments. Uh, for me, the only vision that I have in my head is when they were doing the double down when you would normally get like the clap cheer like started. And the crowd was just dead silent. And I I mean, I don't I don't know why. I really don't. Like that Kingston was over most of the tournament, but in that exact moment, they the crowd didn't give a shit about either guy. It didn't feel like that one honestly really worried me because I was starting to think that it was because evil will always get some kind of a reaction. Like he is much to every Western New Japan fans belief evil is over in japan and i don't know i just like there's no way he's going to take that belt off of sonata but i think he is a perfect like destruction or power struggle main event title defense because there's a lot of history there and i think they made magic together in the g1 so i'm hoping they will do even better but I feel like I won't like it as much because what I loved about it was how dominant evil was. Cause he was running Sonata over and without even really having to use that much interference. And it was something that I honestly do wish they would have played up on commentary more. Cause to me, I perceived it as these men tagged together for years ran the heavyweight tag division together were back-to-back world tag league winners so obviously they're gonna know each other inside and out in the ring right so evil getting the win i thought was absolutely the right choice and moving on to the semifinals yeah i think evil in some ways has like a goto-esque quality 
And I don't think he's as consistent as Goto's been over the last, what, like 15, 20 almost years now. But he's got the potential as someone that you can just plug into like a big main event, not necessarily the biggest main event, but a main event. And you're going to get a good return out of it. And unlike Goto, Evil actually has made it to the top before. And so there's not the feeling on him that he's a guy that's never made it. Like he's he's been there before, not necessarily for very long or with the most success, but you always got in your in the back of your mind, hey, there's the potential for something big to happen here. Well, I feel like evil, we have the double whammy of like you said, he's been to the top. He held the double golds when the belts were unified of the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championships. But at the same and it wasn't for very long. But he ran through the tag division, so he's got that about him. But he also had a fairly decent run with the Never Belt and has been the king of the six-man divisions. So at least there is precedence of him dominating in, in a championship scene with still having that believability of, well, he's made it before versus... Whenever we get Goto or the inevitable Yoshihashi world title challenge. <laughs> I don't that know. That day is coming I, and I will throw yeah. up. I don't know. I, I wouldn't hold my breath for that one. I I don't know. They were this G1, they were making him look a little too good. Really? Yeah. It was it was irking me. But it also irks me as you know if you have ever heard me talk about New Japan, if Yoshihashi ever wins. It irks me if he's even on the losing side of a match, but he's not the one that got pinned. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He He's come around for me. The The whole tag team with Goto, I, I'm, I'm rocking with Yoshihashi these days. He's soured even. He's starting to sour Goto for me. <laughs> oh my god. It's I think his power is that great that he's, to me, he's dragging Goto down. The second they started tagging and they started indicating, like, we're running with it, that's when I knew Goto's never going to make it. I I don't know. I reached that point with Goto a long time before the tag team started. So it it's it's nice to see Goto still able to do something of uh, of somewhat importance. And I thought Yoshihashi had a really good tournament. I thought he had one of the better matches with Tonga Loa. Uh, the opening night with Phantasma was pretty good. Match with Osprey was really good. But, I mean, that's that's no surprise. But well, you're putting Which... Yoshihashi over, you're going to upset Will. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well be Japanese Cody Rhodes to Will at this point. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know which one I hate more. Because, like, with Yoshihashi, I can't explain what I dislike, really. Whereas Cody Rhodes, I can, in exact details, point out exactly what I do not like about that man. That his dad's Dusty Rhodes? No, because I love Dusty. He's just no, so, he he's just horny. Well, that and he bashes you over the head about the fact that Dusty is his dad. Yeah. But... All them kids do. 
Except for the Finleys. But that's also because, like, Fit Finley is a name that people know, but it's not as much one to brag on, like, consistently. It's not one to brag on. Did Finley ever hold? Yeah, like, it's it's a locker room brag, 100%, but not necessarily a TV brag Mm -hmm. that the audience is going to care about. Because did Finley ever, like, he never won a world title anywhere, did he? He was never world champion. He was the god of the mid-card. He could be the anchor weight to anyone's boy stable. Yeah. But, Jake, lead us into the semifinals. Semifinals. Well, who do you want to talk about first? You want want Okada wins lol or not? We'll go ahead and get Okada out of the way. (laughs) I mean, he gets... we, We... we bust on Okada wins lol all the time, but there's a reason that dude's always in that spot every year. Yeah. And I... I don't know. Like, I knew he was gonna win, but a piece of me deep down really, really wanted him to lose. That means they did their job correctly. I guess... I don't know, especially the way Kevin Kelly kept going, because the whole run he kept being like, these people just want Okada to lose because he's so good. Like, he was low-key doing the WWE shit that they used to do when Roman was first getting that big push, and they are like, people like to boo him just to be cool. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Two, though, there's there's no realm of the universe where they were going to let evil pin Okada. Yeah, but they should have. <laughs> they should have, but there's not one. Like, I just, I don't think evil will ever win a G1, and I don't necessarily think he needs to make it this far again, because him making it this far was heavily based around the fact that, A, Sonata is the champion, and B, once again, spoilers, Naito wins. But it was, I don't know. I still think that they could, especially a Naito Evil rematch G1 finals, that would have been a cool little story. But I also get it would have deflated Evil Sonata a little bit. We always got to put your best, like, tournament match. Second, second to last or third to last. Your semifinals have got to be the ones that are the better ones. That Yeah. Plus, like, if you actually think about it, like, on paper, Naito and Okada in finals is actually the most predictable thing. But also, I just feel like lately they've been on such a big streak of big star versus mid-carder. Those are always like intriguing matchups because you never know. Like, will they put this guy over here? You know, like New Japan's notorious for that shit. Well, I mean, Sonata made finals last year, and now look where he is. But they'd be finally setting Naito up to give him some goddamn flowers and let that man have a fucking run with the title. Oh, I guarantee you they are. Because, like, yeah, he had it, but it was like, eh. 
But I also don't get why everyone is like, he's never had that moment. Dog, he had the double gold moment. He had the series finale of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> For like a week. I know it was longer than that. but it's, like... He had that and then got the run back on that moment with the stadium show when he won the belts back from Evil. He literally got his flowers moment twice. Nah, I give the man a good six months with the belt. Like, yeah, let him actually be the dude for a minute, because like he didn't get to be the dude when he was the champion. I definitely think he will. The way he went over Osprey was. I personally, I think they made Osprey look the weakest we've seen him in a good minute. Because I think there's any correlation with his AEW stuff with that then? Maybe. If so, it wouldn't make any sense because AEW stuff, they've now set up the Chris Jericho match. And I don't. I don't know what it would even be for, unless I guess Jericho's gonna beat Osprey in Wembley, which would be fucking hilarious. Holy shit, dude. That would honestly be the funniest fucking thing they could do the whole show. It'd be Jericho playing the ego card, his midlife crisis ego card. Yeah. I'm still super off topic, but I'm still hopeful for Jeff Jarrett versus Grado actually coming to fruition for that but finals we've got the two biggest people in the fucking company who's gonna get sonata it's naito which i don't know this was a really good ass match especially because this one went longer than everything else in the tournament so it to me, it felt like it was more justified, and especially between those two wrestlers. Yeah, I think the 20-minute uh, time limits in the block really helped out with uh, the semifinals feeling more important, just because the semifinal matches were all over 20 minutes, so it helped everything stand out a little bit. But to back things up on that, when you were talking about Osprey looking weak when he went under against Naito, I think... That's kind of on Will, though, because he did kick the man unconscious. So he he has no one but himself to blame for being pinned by an unconscious man. Well, it was it was so weird because he got blown up by Naito after basically having the match won. And then Naito said, no, it's my turn to get a winning buildup. <laughs> and it wasn't even just like, a, oh, here's a fiery comeback and a win like he started whooping his ass for a good while. And then going from that loss to be like, I'm changing my belt to the UK championship and I'm putting a different flag on it. And then Yoda Suji immediately on finals night being like, I don't care. I'll take it. (laughs) UK, US, all the same. To me, like... Which sucks because, like, I was really excited for Shingo versus Osprey, and I just don't feel like I can be excited about it now because it's it just seems to me like it's foregone that that Osprey is going to retain for the Suji match now. I don't know. So, T 
tinfoil hat booker mode. I'm I doubt they will do it, but what I the way I see it is they're gonna run back Omega Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. That's gonna be the trilogy, technically the fourth. So they'll blow off the feud there. I don't think they need the belt for that. And I could see them because like they need to start pushing Suji. Like they need to put the rocket on him. He's so fucking over. And I'm worried that they're going to fuck it up and he's going to lose that momentum and they're not going to be able to capitalize on it again. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, he's already kind of lost a little bit of steam just from having like the mid G1 that he did and his first match back being a loss to Sonata. I mean, losing to the world champ on your first night back isn't a death kiss by any stretch. But he hasn't really gotten a lot since then, and that title match was a while ago. So, like like you said, it's time to start doing something. Yeah, and I, like you said, it's hard to buy into the idea of Suji beating Osprey for it. But at the same time, what if he does though? Because hear me out, Suji takes the belt, so that way they're pushing him to some extent. So he's got a title match. They take the championship out of Omega Osprey because it it doesn't need the belt. That match in and of itself is a draw. The like adding a belt to it is just at that point fluff. Like the draw is already there. Right. But at the same time, I don't know. They're weirdly really sweet on the idea of having the IWGP US belt having like the second biggest match on the card now they got too many goddamn belts now <laughs> way too many your your frequent reminder from me that the IWGP Intercontinental Championship died for this Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like Jake said, there's there's too many belts in wrestling now. I mean, you got like eight sets of titles in WWE, like three thousand eight in AEW, <laughs> in New Japan. Like, yeah, they they need to start condensing that. Which like that, I I would start with the never belts and just having like a unification match on that. If you want yep. David Finley to be a badass, let him let him pin Osprey and get rid of one of those things. No, the never belt needs to stay. Mm -mm. They need to start making it an open weight belt and not just a stiff boy belt and random heels that they want to put over, but like don't actually want to push like no. David Finley and evil. No, the concept of the open weight belt doesn't make sense anymore. Cause there's so much overflow between the juniors and the heavies. Now back 20 years ago when the juniors never fought the heavyweights the open weight belt made sense doesn't anymore see i think that i don't know i think there's a lot of potential there because i 
ideally the never belt could be a way to push juniors without having to bump them up. That's why I feel like that one needs to get treated more like the secondary belt. The U.S. belt just needs to die. Yeah. The, yeah, they don't need that. They don't need a, a mid-tier fucking uh, heavyweight title because they don't have a mid-tier junior title. Well, the like, TV belt basically is, but it's also now just a mid-tier Ring of Honor belt, too. You, they didn't need that TV title, either. Mm-mm. I like the idea of it, but it's it's so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Especially when they have the strong belts. Well, it's, that's like NXT. That's Yeah, but like the TV belt is treated like a weird bridge between it. Because, yeah, Zach is by no means a strong level dude. But the people he's fighting for it are. Mm. Other than, like, the Jeff Cobb feud. I just missed the days when there was one singles belt in the in each division and one set of tags for each division. That was... I just missed the Intercontinental days. Championship. I can deal with all the belts. I just missed that one. It was the greatest mid-card championship of all time. It was so dope, it became basically another world title. Well, you, you have Nakamura to thank for that. Yeah, Nakamura and Naito. When the the fan vote voted for Nakamura's match to main event Tokyo Dome and not the IWGP heavyweight title, like, thanks. Thanks, Shin. Doing the Lord's so, work. So how do we feel about Naito versus Sonata for the main event of Wrestle Kingdom if Sonata holds the belt? For story implications, I love it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I've I've got weird mixed feelings. How do you feel about it, John? They've got to make Sonata a stronger champion. Like he he can't keep defending against like Jungle Boy and shit like that. Like you've got to get him in there. It, whether it's with AEW or I think Sonata's got like a match on like the next Impact pay-per-view in like two weeks or something. They need to have him like defend the belt against like some guys that really mean something and try and like really heat him up because I think we all are expecting going in that this is Naito finally getting to do the roll call at Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. And so they need to be able to create some semblance of doubt that that's not going to be what happens. So I, I think my interest level in that is directly dependent on whether Sonata's wrestling Moose or Brian Myers at, at Emergence in two weeks. I think it'll be Josh Alexander. Because hey, no, that's match. they have inserted Alexander into the world title scene there now that he's back without actually doing it because he's hanging out with Alex Shelley. And Emergence is very much a fluff pay-per-view, but that's off-topic, and we never do that. <laughs> they, they ought to let Sonata beat a couple of guys where, on paper, it looks like he should get fucking boat-raced and then fucking win. I honestly think they should give him another win against Okada. So, every, I've... 
because the way Kevin Kelly keeps talking about it, he keeps making it sound like we're going to be getting a good handful of title defenses, at least like two or three between now and Kingdom. Like, obviously, we have Evil set up. They're setting up something for Impact, so that's at least two. But I'm assuming there will be at least one more in New Japan. And I've seen a lot of people throw out Shingo's name, so that way... Sonata's kind of running through that LIJ gauntlet. Right. And I think that would be kind of cool, but at the same time, I just, like you said, there's no way that, there's no way Naito's going to lose. Yeah, this is WrestleMania 7, Slaughter versus Hogan. Naito's just Hogan in this instance. Yeah, I I agree with what Jake said about like having him go over some guys that you wouldn't necessarily think or doing it like in a quicker manner or something like that. Yeah, New Japan, it seems like the last two years or so has gotten into only booking like three seasons out of here. Like they do G1 and then like a little bit in the fall but they don't fully pad out like the fall schedule. It's kind of just holding until wrestle kingdom. So I would like to see them flesh out the calendar a little bit more and not just make it a thing where the belts kind of on ice in between the end of G one and wrestle kingdom. Yeah. I, I don't know. I do think they're doing a better job at, at least so far, granted, we've only just now begun like that real road to Wrestle Kingdom now that G1's wrapped up. But they're, at least on paper, making it seem like they're going to have a busier schedule where it's not just that fall and winter lull of, well, we're just building up for these couple of matches. Like, there's still no clear, I guess, plans laid out of where we're really going honestly even for the tag belts because they set up a few feuds for the destruction tour but they set up bishimon and tmdk which i desperately want tmdk to win the match that's just because you hate bishimon yeah but i also really love tmdk <laughs> and especially after this g1 man shane haste He's so good. I've seen a lot of stuff about Shane Hayes deserving a push after the G1, but he performed pretty much exactly at the level that I was expecting him to. And after the match with Naito, yes, he beat Naito, but Cobb's going to be the one getting the shot at Naito after that. So I I don't know. Shane Hayes didn't impress me. I was delightfully <laughs> over delightfully impressed with him. This was the first like significant exposure I've seen of either of them doing single stuff. Well, Mikey, I've seen a bit from whenever he first popped into New Japan by himself, whenever Shane was still in NXT, which I'd him in the G1 is why I understand why they wanted to keep him but let Mikey go. I understand that they saw that potential I just don't get why they dropped the ball because he seems tailor-made to thrive in WWE. I would agree with that 100%, yeah. But I, I will not be tolerating any Mikey Nichols slander. Because no, I like Nick, Mikey. I, my favorite finish of the whole fucking G1 from start to finish 
was that goddamn match with Shingo where it was like really, really good for like eight minutes. And then the last two minutes, they got so confused and then they just ran into each other and hit heads and Shingo fell on top and pinned him with like a botched Fez press. I screamed. I loved it. It was so fucking good. I I don't know. It's I think it's gonna shape up to be I don't think TMDK will win, but it's going to be one of those moments where it's gonna be the make or break. Like is New Japan going to really bank on them? Because the way I see it is y'all have a perfectly fine Aussie Open shaped hole in your tag team division. And there it is. You may not have a Haas in there, but you've got two lovely twinks that will do just fine filling that role. Yeah, there it is. We've we've reached the center of the shrubbery maze. (laughs) Will's true intentions for this podcast have shown forth. So... Push TMDK all the fucking way. But we set up the Yodosuji Osprey. We set up just further proof. Shane, your boy is never making it out of the mud now. His reward at the end of such a great little underdog run in the G1 is joining the fucking Gorillas of Destiny and getting slotted into a feud for the strong openweight tag team championships with Hikaleu. Which also, talk about an immediate, not even fall from grace, a fucking meteor drop. Going from G1 playoffs to the strong tag belts. That's tough. Rest in peace, El Fantasmo. I think they're the first defense. Oh, so they're probably not even going to win them. Oh, I guarantee you they're not going to win them. Like, damn, dude. It's going to take the fall. Who? Fantasmo. 100%. Two Gabriel kid. (laughs) Do do you think he's leaving or something? I'm starting to think so. Because it's starting to feel mean-spirited towards him, how they've been handling his booking. And it's, like, with the G1, I was starting to see, like, okay, so they want him to make, they want to make, like, a really sympathetic baby face with him. But he's, goddamn, dude. Like, you can only root for him so much before it's just, he's lost any credibility. Yeah, it surprised me. Didn't he beat Finley during the tournament? Am I imagining that? Or Yes, he did. Yeah, and then Tomatonga was the one that was holding up the Never Belt after the, the tag on the last night. Because I was thinking oh, there was no. the, the rematch. Never mind. El Fantasmo, I don't think he beat David Finley. He beat uh, Kenta. Oh, okay. But... Yeah. I, I still got the impression that there was a chance they were going to finally do the, the rematch between Finley and Phantasmo. But, uh, yeah, he didn't even didn't even make it that far. Well, it just made no sense to me that Tomatonga is going for the Neverweight belt. Like, honey, you're 0-2. You lost the belt to him. And then 
I can't remember if he got a rematch or not, but he just lost to him in the G1. Like, what what claim do you truly have? Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck they're doing with the Tongans right now. Because I, I really expected a G.O.D. heel turn at the end. It just seems like we're going because like Hikaleo, or not Hikaleo, Tongaloa had started getting like this mean streak later on in the tournament. So I was like, yeah, I can I can see that materializing. And then it seems like they're they're going full steam ahead with them as baby faces still. And it's like, I don't know, after two losses to David Finley, I don't know where, where you go with Tomatonga after that. I have no clue. But overall, I'm I'm looking forward to Sonata in Naito main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. I think it'll be good. I mean, they've wrestled before and had good matches. And I'm I think they'll do good now until then to build up Sonata to be believable, even though I still believe there's no shot of him winning against Naito. I think they're going to trick me into believing there at the final hour. I hope so. I hope so. But overall, if you didn't watch G1 Climax 33 this year, you're stupid. Go watch it easily been some of the best wrestling this whole year and this year has been loaded with great matches across the board already if nothing else catch uh, kingston versus ishii from the cork and hall show oh my god that matches that's got to be match of the whole tournament it's up there it's it's definitely up there But we'll be back in your feeds eventually. Unfortunately, been a bit hectic lately, so haven't gotten a chance to start the N1 victory yet. But plan to getting around to that at some point. I've heard that boy, El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr., has been doing really fucking good. But what else is new? He is weirdly booked so fucking strong for Noah. He's so good, too. He's like the best house show wrestler in the world right now. Dr. Wagner Jr. Jr. That's the best <laughs> way to describe him. Dr. Wagner Jr. Jr. He's the, he really would be like the god of untelevised matches. Because all he's got to do is, in every fucking Dr. Wagner Jr. match, he runs and he takes a boot in the corner and then he takes those few steps and then turns his mask and like resets his neck. And then he runs. And every time I'm like, is he going to take another boot and then do the spot again? And then he does. And I pop for it every fucking time. <laughs> well, folks, make sure to keep a keep an eye out in your feeds for that, as well as our next episode of Not Another Freaking Wrestling Podcast. We got a good spicy one cooking up for you should be out by jd and certain hear a robot voice saying whenever the next episode will come out so make sure to keep an eye out for that folks so jake what do they need to do 
No, we don't do that gimmick on this one, remember? Because last time I tried to do it, you cut me off. What do we do? I don't remember. I don't know, but you cut me off. Go watch DDT and Noah, kids. I know we just talked about only New Japan, but go watch Noah and DDT. Go support Cyber Agent. And my boy, my boy, Chris Brooks. Yeah, go watch Chris Brooks. And and my adopted brother, Daisuke Sasaki. And go write the uh, the NFL commissioner telling him that you want to include guns and uh, bears. And run-ins and triple threats and a money in the bank football match. <laughs> and live bears. And any CW rules football game. <laughs>